Welcome to the Start, Scale, Succeed podcast with me, your host, Nicole Higgins, the Buy and Retail Coach, sharing tips, advice, and insight from entrepreneurs that have just launched to multi-million pound business owners. We will be discussing the challenges they faced, advice they would give, and the milestones they achieved and how they got there. Also joining me will be a broad range of experts with some tips and practical how-tos, episodes that will help your business grow and to enable you to live the life you crave. The types of experts that you'll hear from will be those that you will find beneficial as you start and scale your business, from branding and social media experts to mindset coaches and PR marketing. There will also be solo episodes from me discussing a variety of topics from sourcing to maximizing the profit in your business. Welcome to this week's episode of Start, Scale, Succeed. And today I am joined by Sam Smith, founder of Hello Time and creator of the Hello Time Planner. Thanks very much, Sam, for joining me today. Thank you for asking me. Now, we're going to talk about your brand and I love your aesthetics and how, and what I want to kind of start with first is how the brand came about and your background and why you started it. Okay, so... I've been in the design industry for 29 years this year. So um, I started out as a junior graphic designer in London and I've done design all my life. And um, I did some did some small agencies, worked with startups and entrepreneurs all the way through to really big multinational brands. So I kind of had all that experience. And in 2009, I relocated um, and had to leave my job as creative director. I didn't have to, but chose to leave my uh, job as a uh, creative director. So I set up a studio, Alelia Studio in 2009, I think it was. Yeah, 2009. And I did various projects and businesses and things. And I think after a time of uh, helping others build their brands, successfully build their brands, I thought it was time that I created one for myself and I kind of put myself on the other side of the fence. Um, and and that was, was that something that you had an idea for that or you had thought about that before you were working freelance and doing that kind of work like when you were in full-time employment was it a had you been pulled in that direction before or was it when you started working with others that you saw a different side of things no it was never an intention to build a brand it was just I I guess after all the experience I suddenly started to think wouldn't that be nice but it was kind of a pipe dream and I was always on the other side of the fence helping others Um, But it just so happened that I founded a business just after I set up on my own called, um, and it it was a a book, a memory book business. And we'd done everything from wedding, very bespoke wedding albums, all the way to family books and wedding guest books and hen party books and things like that. And we were starting to think about um, a life planner idea because at the time there wasn't many planners out there. And I think working for yourself, you don't have a life you know work-life balance it's just life it all kind of mingles into one so um we were kind of looking at that idea and then I I was also at the time going through a really bad period of burnout um I think it was um it was a really big difficult time in my life and it was I was feeling overwhelmed and I was pushing myself every day too much and I was still running my design business along with this this other business I'd co-founded and it was it it got too much and i was just overwhelming myself so all this was happening at the same time really i had this burnout i was doing this other business and then i kind of decided that something had to give and that i didn't want to co-found that i didn't want to be part of that business anymore i wanted to go back to design and what i loved yeah and um so as part of that i took this kind of very small seedling of an idea of a life planner 
And I thought I want to turn that into a brand. So I don't want it to just be a product. I want to turn it into a brand. Um, And I want to help other people with the overwhelm and the juggle of running a small business because I kind of found out one fact one day that we have 4,000 weeks on this planet if we're lucky enough to get to 80 years old. So that really drove me to think, oh, my goodness. I mean, that either makes you feel quite depressed or 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 really pushes you on. And it really pushed me on. And I thought there are better ways of spending our time. And um, so, it, you know, it's not just about a planner and a, it's not stationary business. It's, it's bigger than that. It's it's being able to help people with their time management. It's a horrible old fashioned phrase, but it, it's being able to make people aware of, you know, how much we're in autopilot and how much we're just going along on this wheel doing what we've always done. And actually we need to stop and plan our time better because a lot of us are spending time not doing the things we love or, or not giving ourselves time to, to to do the things that we really want to do. So it became bigger than that in my head, but that's how it came about. So I I registered the name Hello Time um, and then and the name was always about giving yourself more time, sort of saying hello to more time, doing the things that you want to be doing, the important stuff in life. And that's how it came about, really. We did a first print run to prove the concept of the planner to see if it worked. I used it for a while and checked it all worked. I did a small print run. And um, yeah, we're printing our fourth print run this year. So yeah, that's kind of how it came about, really. <laughs> And from a timeline then, when was that? Was that in 2009 and or was that a lot later than when you first started? Um, 2009 was when I set up my design business. I set up Hello Time four years ago, uh, 2019. Fantastic. And so, what would you say is your, is the is the brand's unique selling point in terms of how you differentiate yourself from other brands that are out there? Well, I did a lot of research when I first set out and, and mainly because I was looking when I was having this burnout, I was also at the time looking for something to keep everything in one place. I didn't I couldn't find anything that a lot of diaries and planners don't have a lot of space. And, you know, you still have to carry a diary and a to do pad and all this other stuff. So um, my that's kind of my main USP really. I couldn't find what I was looking for. So I designed it myself. So it's a planner with everything in it. So it's got a, you know, it's got a notes section. You've got a notebook in there. You've got a to-do pad in there. You've got your ideas section in there. It's not just a little box every day that, you know, you kind of squeeze all your stuff in. Um, and and that's its kind of, that's its, that's its main USP, its main function, really. Um, and I couldn't find anything like that at the time. Now, I mean, at the time, there was lots of, there was a few planners coming from the States, they were about $90. They were wire bound. The paper was a little bit thin for my liking, um, but there wasn't much else out there. And so I wanted, um, it was an opportunity to create a book that was crafted in the UK and case bound rather than wire bound. Something that's going to last you and be solid all year year long, really. It's very solid, isn't it? It's very solid. <laughs> it's a bit of a chunky monkey, but yeah, it's pretty solid. Yeah. Um, it is very solid. And your aesthetic is, well, actually, first, kind of going back to the research, I think it's so key, you know, for those people that are listening to do that research at the beginning so that you're not just maybe doing another version of something that's already else that's out there. So you're able to really differentiate yourself to what's out there, not just from a product point of view, but your branding and your aesthetic is very good. And obviously, that's your background, but black and white, very graphic. Was that the conscious look that you wanted to get? Did it end up 
being like what you had in your head? It did end up being it, it did end up being what I had in my head. I didn't set out saying I want a monochrome brand. You know, it wasn't kind of it. It came from a, a need from the product. I'm not I'm not girly in the sense that I love really flowery and pretty things, if you like. That's not me. I wanted a, a you know a, a book or a planner, a notebook that you pull out your bag and you're kind of you're proud to kind of have, you know, you're not embarrassed because it's the only book you could find in in the corner of, you know, TK Maxx or, or, or the supermarket or whatever. I wanted something that was serious, that kind of, yeah, said I'm serious about this. I'm serious about what I'm doing. And so the the reason why it's black and white is because you can add your own colour. If you're a colourful person, you can add your own colour to it and you can color code and things like that which is really useful but it mainly comes from it stems from the fact that it's just calming so you haven't got loads of bells and whistles um, I make the use of every single millimeter on the page so you, so you can use all that space um, and it's just calming in it to look at you know I was feeling overwhelmed so I wanted something I wanted to create something that was the opposite to yeah. that it was calming had lots of space lots of space to breathe and go right okay you know I need to get this stuff down up my head I need to unoverwhelm myself and um you know it's like interiors you know in an interior space you need a space of calm or a space of quiet or a, or a clear space to let your eyes rest and if you've got all these flowers and lines and graphics and stickers and stuff going on it it, it, it would do the opposite to what I wanted. So it was never, I want a monochrome brand. I'm into monochrome. Everything's black and white in my world. But it was it was the need, the, the aesthetic was important to, to calming your mind and giving you space to write things down and get it out of your head, really. So that's how it came about. And, that, you know, there are lots of flowery, colourful yeah. notebooks out there. So, yes, the black and white does make it stand out and distinctive, which is, you know, um, you know, is, is really important. And I still have to refine and review, you know, even though it's a very simple aesthetic, still have to go back and check and review and keep it consistent and keep it distinctive because both those two elements build a strong brand. So yeah, it kind of, it is, answer your question, it is, yes, it, it is turning out to be as I imagined, um, but that takes time to stop and review and just make sure that it's consistent all the time. And, and going back to your point in terms of really keeping that customer in mind in terms of if you're dealing, you know, if your customer is coming somewhere that they want to put their ideas down, they want the focus space, that your product allows them to do that and not to get distracted. But then with you reviewing that and checking back in with yourself and checking back in with the product that, yeah, it's still, it's still the customer is still in mind what you started out with and what you wanted is still what you're achieving with you know with what you're doing as well and it's yeah. still what the customer needs how has it evolved so you you're on to now your fourth print run has the product changed much from when you first started it um particularly i know that the brand you've had more additions and you you know doing additional things that we'll talk with but particularly the planner because that would be like mm-hmm. i suppose your hero product yeah sure has it changed much from when it first was launched to to now? No, not massively, because I did do a lot of research and put a lot of time. I, you know, I bought a lot of people's planners and diaries and, you know, I studied them and looked at every single detail. So, um, no, it hasn't changed because it kind of works. Um, so I've updated it. Things like the very first one had a, had a shade of dusky pink in it. 
And the second one had a taupe colour in it. And then I decided, no, it needs to be pure black and white. Mm -hmm. I want to, so I add colour to my marketing. So, you know, buttons on websites and things like that to, 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 to catch the eye. But essentially it's, I've taken that little bit of colour out. It was always neutral, but I've taken that little bit of colour out and I've gone black and white. Obviously update all the quotes in there. There's loads of quotes and motivational prompts and things that just make you smile and tell you, you know, it's it's all going to be okay. And, you know, we've got this type message without being cheesy. Um, And we added a third ribbon because everybody wanted another ribbon. Um, So I managed to work out a way of of getting to do that without, you know, um, upping the price too much or affecting that. But essentially it stayed the same in its structure because that's that's what I wanted to create. It it, it worked. And I, last year, the year before, I brought out a um, vertical diary layout. So what we'll do is we'll probably look at different versions. So there might be a day to a page version or there might be. So at the moment, we've got the left hand pages for appointments and putting in scheduling work. And the right hand side is completely clear. This is your week spread. It's completely clear for you to write your to do's or meal plan or doodle or whatever you want to do with the right hand page the vertical planner is it goes down the page day goes down the page and it's numbered it's timed from 6 a.m to 9 p.m and it's got a very small a small space to write in but it's good for if you've got a lot of appointments or a lot of calls to schedule time blocking things like that and that's you know, and I, and I did a small, much smaller print run on that because I didn't know how it would be received, and um, it's been as popular as the original one. So, um, so we're creating new versions and updates and little tweaks, but essentially the the bones of it haven't changed because that's what differentiates it from other products. And. So you mentioned the product being made in the UK. How important is that for you? Well, going back to what you said about differentiation right at the beginning, that was that was one thing that I wanted to do because, um, like I say, there were, a lot of them were coming out of the States and some of those I know were being made in China and there wasn't much in the UK. Since then, since, sort of, since I first started thinking about the idea before I even started the business as a brand, there wasn't loads but you know there wasn't as many well there was hardly any actually planners out there so that was important at the start because it was a a a differentiation piece really for me but now it's even more important because of the sustainability and the carbon footprint really it's um it is made in the UK and I think supporting other businesses as well so um the current planner was printed by a a family-run business in Cornwall, and my other printer who prints my pads is literally three miles down the road. So um, that all really helps from a sustainability standpoint as well. I think the relationships you can build, obviously, someone who's in your country, you're able to go and see the the you know the printing being done. If you want to, you can you can have that. It's a lot easier to have that kind of a relationship. And I would imagine, I don't know, maybe from a quantity point of view, you were able to test things easier or smaller ones than if you were dealing with um um as well possibly possibly maybe the first print run um now it's not such a bother but um yeah i think that sustainability piece is really important for sure i think that's where where we're going and it's a really important point that yes i i go on press every time one's printed so even though the design hasn't massively changed and there's not loads of colors to check i go and make sure that the black is black and i go and make sure that you know the, the the specification everyone knows what they're doing and I also go to 
you know, watch the process. And last year I went to um, the binders, which was really interesting. And, you know, there were people there hand putting the ribbons in and I put the first one on the, you know, the, the when the cover was going on the book block, I put the first one on the, the run and it was really interesting. I saw how it was in debossed the cover and all things like that. So it's, although I've done print for a long time, it's still fascinating to go and obviously create some great content as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, touching on wholesale, I was looking at your um, your social media accounts. You've started wholesaling, so the brand's been established for four, you know, about four years. But you've you started wholesaling towards the end of last year. How is that going for you and what made you start now and not earlier? What You know, give us a little bit of the story. It's, it's funny, isn't it? Because um, a lot of friends I have who have product businesses, they've gone straight to wholesale um, and, they're, and they're, you know, direct to consumer business is not as strong as their wholesale. Yet I went direct to consumer. I don't know why I did that. I think I just thought, I don't know. I just, I just did. I didn't really make that conscious decision. I just just went that way and then the more I sold the more feedback I got I realized that this works you know and people are loving it and therefore I need to up my print runs and get more awareness and how do I get well more awareness of the product and the name out there than wholesale so you know I'm going to be stocked in more places I can get out get out to more people quicker and obviously, there's the side of well, wholesale is scary because you have to sell a lot more, you know, because your margins are a lot less. But equally, it, to build a business and build a brand, I need to, I need more people to know about it. So, um, and I wasn't even sure if I could wholesale, you know, I didn't know whether the pricing was going to be right. But last year, I spent, um, I did a lot of groundwork last year. So I created my catalogue, wholesale catalogue my order forms, my process, my terms and conditions. Um, last year, I spent a lot of time looking at my pricing. So I went straight through my products and, and kicked out products that weren't making enough margin, kicked out products that I wouldn't be able to wholesale. Um, and realizing that not, not every product needs to go wholesale. You know, you don't have to have your whole range. So I picked out our most popular um products and just started with a small a small range to start with you know I mean I don't have loads of products at this stage because I'm still very young but but yeah I just took a a handful of products and and started with that but I analyzed all my pricing I did a lot of research on what margin do you have to offer and you know what's the terminology and what do buyers expect and um, and then went through all that pricing and made sure it would work Um, so I did a lot of groundwork last year and the beginning of this year and then just refined some of those elements. And um, now I'm, yeah, I've got I've got my dream list of stockists that I would love. And I'm, you know, just about to start start on that journey of talking to them and um, and showing them, you know, what we've got really. Yeah. And I think that's going to build up to a trade show in January. Um, I've wanted, I wanted to do a, yeah, I wanted to do a, a trade show um, last year, this year, but I just felt that, I'm not a winging it kind of person. I don't really, I like to kind of, I don't wait until the perfect time because there's no perfect time. And you, you know, at some point you've got to jump, but um, I, I, I needed to turn up knowing what I was talking about and feeling a little bit more confident and professional, not kind of just 
winging it that's not me really so I wanted to do a bit of the groundwork I wanted to make sure my pricing was right I wanted to make sure that buyers knew I was serious um and uh I was here to stay and uh and then and then build up to that so I, I moved it from this year because I wanted to um I wanted the experience of pitching to to stockists first um and get to know some stockists and also see how it you know sells in the stores without me behind it telling people about it you know um before I went out to that bigger audience and you know because at the end of the day it's all very well selling to a stockist it's all very exciting but but the proof is in when they order you a second time and a third time you know because it's working and you've got the right stockist and they've got the right audience and so on so yeah so we the key point that you said in terms of not not having to include everything in your wholesale brochure and making sure that that all works for you as well and you we we started talking before uh we pressed record and you recently started stop being stocked on fair and anchor store as well yeah How's, how is that process going for you obviously they take a, a hefty commission but you're happy with it so far and how it's all been working yeah so i joined fair and then got some uh, orders fairly immediately which is brilliant so it meant that my uh, my you know I got out to the the states Canada Belgium um so that was really exciting Angstor have literally just launched the store so that you know there's not much to report on that one but fair's been great but yes they do take a big chunk and you know the jury's out you know do they work is it better to do it in person at trade shows do people still go to trade shows there's this big thing because this costs so much money for small and new new yeah. brands to go to you know is the future in these online um you know places where the retailer can meet the the stock is sorry the retail can meet the manufacturer or the designer or whatever i don't know that that jury is out that's the discussions i've i've heard um but they're certainly great for small businesses because they give you the opportunity to get in front of that get in front of the the retailers um so that's good. Um, yeah. So we'll see how it goes, really. I think that's a focus for this year. So it's a bit early to say how it's going. Yeah, how it's going, really. And I've noticed, I mean, back to the direct consumer side of things. So obviously you have your website as an avenue which you sell from. And I, I yeah. remember watching some of your stories kind of in the run up to Christmas last year and you were out at a lot of markets and pop ups. How is How important is that for you, for your business? Really important. I think that... There's nothing like getting in front of people and hearing the feedback. Feedback is absolute gold dust, whether it's good feedback and bad feedback. If there, you know, if there is any, it's just it's good to hear what people say, even if it's to themselves, to the person they're out shopping with or they pick things up or you start a conversation and oh, I like this. Well, can you tell me why you like it? You know, I'm quite inquisitive. So I'll, I'll they'll say something and they'll, they'll, you know, and I'll say, why do you like it? And why do you think that would work for you? And I talk to people about how they plan their time and um, what they use, because then that helps me with, I mean, I'm fascinated about it anyway, but it helps me then think about other products I could, you know, do or um, updates that I can make, you know, um you have to be careful because when people say things even to use from your marketing point of view to be able to use that you know because that's someone's thought process of how they plan or what they do with their time it's something that you can use you know as your hook on social media or in your newsletter or part of your you know yeah you can use it in lots of different ways yeah I think it's 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 super important you know it's um it's a balancing act isn't it because a lot of people do these things for brand awareness and it's kind of like yeah but 
you know, you've got to do shows and events and you, 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 you've got to go in it with a view to do, to, to make some money, you know, to make a profit. It's not, it can't just be about brand awareness, but um, certainly finding the right shows and events and pop-ups is, you know, trial and error really, it really is. Um, but I would say definitely getting out there and, and you know, because when you're an online business it's really you know unless you kind of the only way you get feedback is one if you do a survey and ask people for feedback two if they've got a complaint and they come back to you and say this didn't arrive on time or is arrived damaged or you know thankfully we don't we don't get too many of those but um or or three if they tag you in social other than that you don't really get loads of feedback so it's a really good way of of getting that and listening to what people say and, and and having the opportunity to ask them questions about why they like something or or why they how they plan the way they do or why this product would be good for their sister or son they're buying it for or whatever really. And from a sales point of view, what would you say has been your your biggest kind of return on investment that you've done so far? I think PR instead of advertising for sure. I've had more um, success boosting ads than I have doing Facebook ads, but that's all trial and error. So who knows? Um, I think finding your right audience and find when you find your right audience at the right show, then that's brilliant. There's one particular show that I've done a couple of years in a row now, and it's been brilliant. And there's lots that haven't gone so well because my audience aren't there or not enough of my audience are there. So but that's trial and error and you do end up spending, you know, money in places that, but unless you try these things, you don't know. And then you learn from that and you say, right, I'm not doing those again. So this year I'm not doing lots of little pop-ups and shows this year. I'm going to put that budget into one show, um, one thing and the rest I'm not going to do because there's no point repeating something that didn't work so well. Do you do the Spirit of Christmas one in the Olympia? I haven't, no, no, I'd like to do that one. Um, yeah, I'd really like to do that one because it, it's, but the thing is, it's it's the stand price and then it's seven days or something. So you've got all those expenses and, you know, I can't, shows are so hard and I'm I'm pretty up for doing shows. I did that, did lots in my previous business and, um, but they are hard work and seven days on the trot without anybody helping you is is tough so I think um yeah that's probably one for a few years time because it's so big and yeah, so time consuming and and um an investment to do really so that one yeah is 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 up there <laughs> are you what do you uh, you talked about you know people to help in terms of if you're selling on, on a stand and stuff what do you yeah. talk to me about the structure of the business who do you have to help you do you do most of it on your own what do you outsource what do you do yourself um okay so what do I do so I have um I have someone who uh how Sue she looks after um customer inquiries and does the packing some of the orders so that um I did it all myself to start with as most most of us do but then I kind of needed some help um it wasn't where my best you know when I've got such little time I need to be develop doing marketing and developing new products so I've got some help with that um three days a week um just just for a few hours each day sorting all that out my mum comes <laughs> every other week uh for a day and helps out sort of the pre-packing process so she'll put all the date dots and month labels into packs and she'll make up all the pencil packs and you know, she'll do that kind of pre-packing element to the customer stuff. Um, so that's a big help. 
Um, but I often get, you know, sometimes when you get a last minute wholesale order, I'm often sort of doing those things in front of the TV at night, whatever. Um, if I get that luxury, um, my brother is, um, an absolute tech whiz. So he builds my website. He, um, uh, built, he creates all the emails and deploys. And so I design them and then I send him the files to schedule, build and schedule, um he does my video work so he's a massive support to the business but um he potentially works with small businesses and is just a techie that speaks english and is super quick and really helpful so um he's been with me for years now because he works on some of my design projects as well my husband supports me from a financial and strategy when i say financial he doesn't support me <laughs> as that <laughs> As in doing finances, spreadsheets. Um, that's my probably my biggest weakness is maths. Um, and he is a strategic brain, so he'll I I you know use him a lot as a sounding board. So I'm very lucky to have that because I can right. I'm in this situation. I've got this. Somebody's contacted me. What's the best way to deal? And we'll talk it through, and then I can go back with a bit of a you know strategic head on me. So that's good. Um, so it is really kind of fam- mainly family. Um, I source my accountants. Um, I have an accountant because um, I remember when I first set up in business in 2009, I came home. I'd been to see a freelance friend of mine and um, she was doing graphic design. And she, I said, look, look, take me through how you run your business, how you do it, you know, all this and the other. She went through everything. You keep a timesheet. This is for design specifically, not product-based business. You do this, you do that. Then she got onto VAT and she went down this VAT hole. I came home completely overwhelmed. And I said to my husband, he said, how did it go? I'm like, oh my God, VAT, I don't get it at all. Oh my God, how do we, he went, right. Would you rewire your house? And I said, what what on earth are you talking about? I said, would you attempt to rewire the house? I'm like, of course not. He said, don't worry about your VAT. You leave that to someone else. You go out and get some work. And then you can worry about, you know, getting someone to help you with that. You you don't need to worry about that. There's some things that you can outsource. So I've out, had an accountant since day dot because, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not my skill set. But um, so which is quite, quite an obvious one to have. Um, but other than that, I do everything myself. So I do all the marketing, all the networking, all the sourcing, all the designing, yeah. um, invoicing sales, everything. I do everything myself. And your social media, I love how... I love how you approach that and it looks it looks really great how do you how do you approach that yourself and how do you is that all all you do you have any support with that or no no it's all it's all me um I have had some help with um some Facebook ads in the past just scheduling and understanding how they work I've had some help with Pinterest um but uh apart from that no I do it all myself so um I learned early on that you can't do all the platforms it's impossible yeah um you can't be everywhere it can't be something to everybody so I just narrow down onto Instagram it looks looks really really good are you quite um regimented in terms of how you um, (laughs) you're not right no no I mean in the good old days when it was just photos I I was really obsessed with my grid obviously being a visual person uh, until one of my friends said to me, um, who kind of also coaches me as well, she's one of my good friends, 
she you know she said I, I never look at grid when I look at someone I don't really look at their grid or I look at their grid first time and then I don't look at their grid again it's their individual posts or their stories and I thought well maybe more people are like that and I'd probably need to be more obsessed and then video came in and reels and you know working your way through all of that meant that I had to be less precious about that cover sheet you know because I was trying to learn how to do it and 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 the images look squashed and so um yeah I don't I don't have a formula that you know it's always text 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 image or, or or you know a specific way of doing it I literally just plan in my posts um with pen and paper and and build it as I go really I don't yeah don't have a regimented I try and have a balance of content so making sure there's some sales content with some um uh, some added value content awareness stuff you know I do try and have that balance but Apart from that aesthetic, they're all visually, I kind of, I don't get so over kind of worried about the whole, you know, the grids looking because I was very much, that's the white one. Now that's a dark one and that's a picture and then that's a graphic and I can't have too many black, you know, so I'm still a bit aware of that, but I'm less worried about how the grid looks because, you know, who knows how long Instagram's around or something else comes out. And I think you've got to be slightly less precious about it because, um, you know, there are other, there are other avenues that you need you know it's not all about social and instagram it's a big part of marketing but it's only one part of a bigger mix really so and what do you want to stop start and continue doing over the next 12 months oh um continues easy i think this year with the focus was on wholesale and pr so i've been learning all about pr how to do it myself mm-hmm. and wholesale so that's something i will continue to do for sure um and designing new products you know that's another big focus um start doing I want to venture into workshops and webinars and I mean I love a face-to-face workshop I'd rather not do it online but you know I realize that people are all over the country so I'd really like to start because I've done a lot of reading I've got loads of books on time management and all that sort of um you know how people spend their time how best to spend your time I'm doing a course at the moment so I'm fascinated by it and I'm fascinated by and the more I learn, the more I realize I'm already doing all of these things automatically and I didn't know they were a thing. So if I can pass some of those tips, ideas and, and thoughts to help other people not feel so overwhelmed or manage their time better, then, you know, I would really love to start doing some of that. Um, yeah. So I'd like to start it. Stop doing um Hmm. Can't think of anything that I want to stop doing. I want to, I think the balance is hard because I still run my design business as well. Still have design clients. Mm. I find that the the balance is really hard to, um, you know, I'm not at the stage where I can completely let go of that. And I'll always do design because I love it, but um, I need to let go of more of that so that I can spend more time on this building this brand. But so I find that juggle quite hard. So I, like to stop doing perhaps so much of the design stuff so that I can concentrate more but um no I think I've got a pretty good balance in terms of there's nothing that yeah I want to stop doing necessarily it would be nice to have some help with social media but um I think it's very it's, it's very hard sometimes I think because it social media is is so personal and the brand's so personal to you handing that over is and someone understanding that is is uh you know difficult when something's so young and like you say so there's so much of you in it you know when you're and, and, mm. and Sam where can people find you where can they buy hello time 
So you can find me, gosh, all places. So um, website, Hello Time Planner. Sorry, Hello Time. God, I got that wrong. HelloTime.co.uk is my website. At Hello Time Planner on Facebook, though Instagram is kind of my main place. Pinterest, we're a, a not on the high street partner as well. But yes, mainly my website, HelloTime.co.uk. And if we have some boutiques listening and some retailers, where is the best place to get in touch with you directly on your website or through fair? Yes, I have on our contact us page. We've got a wholesale um, little form there or uh, on the footer there is a wholesale and you can click that link and it'll just set up an email for you to send directly to me. That's the best, that's the best way really. And then we can, and then I can send you a, a catalogue and uh, we can go from there. Great. And all those uh, links will be in the show notes as well. So thank you very much, Sam, for joining me today. Thank you very much for asking me. I've enjoyed it. Great. And I will be back again next week with another great guest. <laughs>